um, James chapter one, verses 16, 17, and 18, specifically what we're going to be talking about tonight. I'm going to kind of try to quickly review from last week. So I don't know how quick it'll be, but cause it was some good stuff. Like, okay. How many remembers just my little three words from last week? Anybody remember? I said it like 1400 times. God is good. Period. Right. That's it. God is good. Not on. And I saw this on Facebook this week and I thought it was good. It said, um, God is good today. Not because life has been good, but because God is good. Period. And he's good. Even when life is not good. You, and, I, and, and I was, I was pondering, um, on the lesson tonight and thinking about the lesson last week. I thought about this. I thought, you know, when circumstances in life don't go our way, it doesn't change who God is. The truth is sometimes it changes who we are, but it doesn't change who God is. He's still good, period. And we have to have our trust in him that he's going to be good. He's going to take care of us. And I, I think I said this last week, but we have a lot of faith in the government, which we live in a great country and, and, and the government comes through a whole lot. But it's a shame sometimes that we have more faith in the government than we do in our God. Who is good all the time. So that's kind of where we're going to pick up at. So, okay. So let me just, and it's this, most of this is going to be on your handout. I'm just going to review quickly, I think, from last week. So we're talking about avoiding deception in trials. And trials basically are just those times in life that are tough. Because we're going to have that. Remember I said it, I, I kind of said it like this. We live in South Louisiana. We live very close to the Gulf. So what that means is it's not... If the next storm is coming, it's when the next storm is going to come. Now, listen, we pray all the time over every hurricane season that God will have mercy and he'll, you know, but we, because of the nature of where we live, we understand that we have to prepare and be ready for that kind of stuff. Matter of fact, my boys were looking for some batteries for their remotes for their, whatever games they play, their controllers were out of remotes. And they were like, mom, and, and I noticed that I had a remote sitting on my snack bar with no bat back was open with no batteries in it. So I text them. They weren't home. I text them both. I said, who's robbing the batteries out of the remotes? So Hayden calls me and says, mom, we're out of batteries. I'm like, what did you need batteries for? I didn't No, I have a remote missing right here, messing batteries. Oh, well, my controller needed batteries. So I, he said, mom, we need batteries. And I said, I, well, you should have told me that. He said, it's hurricane season. We need batteries. <laughs> Hey, you know what? We teach them young. <laughs> you need batteries for hurricane season, right? And so we do need batteries. But we, because we live, because of where we live, we know that. I mean, probably most 16-year-olds in the country don't say that. My kids will say that. Mom, we need batteries. Make sure we have water. It's hurricane season, right? They've kind of been taught that over the years. Hey, guys, I'm telling you, because of the nature of where we live, a sinful world, we're going to need faith. That should just be on your vocabulary. I need to know who God is because life is tough. And I need to know that even in the toughest times in life, I know who God is, right? I know his attributes. So I don't know how I got off on that. But so we started out by this, avoiding deception and trials. And we said this, Satan is the master deceiver, a liar and the father of lies. His false prophets will distinguish themselves as angel of light. We have to be careful and you have to know, you have to know the spirit inside of you to know what's real and not real. We have to know the counterfeit people out there and not only people, but the spirits too. Sometimes they'll come at you too. And you just got to know that they promise people answers to their deepest problems, but they actually lure them into spiritual destruction. You got to be careful who's speaking into your life. Also, 
Believers going through trials are especially vulnerable to spiritual con artists. You know, when you're going through a really tough time, you probably shouldn't be hanging around people who say things like this. Oh, well, I thought God was good. I mean, I, I get that. As a minister, I get that a lot, actually. When somebody's going through something and that's not going their way, they will say, where is God now? Tell me how God is love and he's allowed this to happen. I said this last week. I don't get paid enough. I don't have enough knowledge to have the answers to all those questions. I don't. But I know even beyond that, God is good. He's the hope. He's the only hope I have. I remember about, I was in my early 20s, and, and it was the first time in my life that I kind of ever questioned who God was. Because I was raised in this thing. So for me, it was something that I was taught my whole life. And when I got to a point in my life where I had to figure out who God was for myself, I remember trying to take everything that I knew about God to be true and, and sifting that through what I really knew. And um, it was a little bit daunting because it was kind of like, why do we believe that? Why do we believe that? Well, why, do we, why do we say this? Well, what is this? What is? And I remember just taking some time. It was probably a couple months worth of just saying, and it was actually a, a whole other story I'm not going to get into tonight that kind of prompted this whole thought process. And, and I said to myself, this was my conclusion. At the end of the day, when I process everything that I was taught to believe, everything that I know about God from my experience, and you know, at, at 20, I didn't have a whole lot of experience, but at some, at the end of the day, this was my synopsis. If God is not real and I die and there's nothing else, I've lost nothing because I've lived a good life. But if God is real and I didn't believe, I've lost everything. That was my synopsis in my early 20s because I thought there is, I have to have my hope in something. Now, now that I'm in my 40s, I can tell you I have enough experience now to back who I know God to be. And I have enough experience with God to know he is who he says he is and he will do what he says he will do. Maybe not in my time, maybe not how I even think he should, but he's going to do what he says he's going to do. He's going to be faithful to his word. I had a mom te- uh, Facebook, Facebook me this week, and um, she said, she was telling me about a, a, a grandma, I guess. She was telling me about her grandson, and she, she was kind of telling me about some things he was into, and she said, how do I pray for him? And I said, man, you're going to pray God's will. She said, what is God's will? And I said, well, first you're going to have to get into the word and figure that out, but I'm going to tell you it's his will that none should perish so we can pray for salvation. We start there. See, guys, we have to know the word of God. That's going to be one of the first things we talk about is knowing God so that we can know who he is in very tough times because times are tough. And I would be a fool to sit here and tell you, you become a Christian and life is good. Actually, it's just the opposite. You become a Christian. All of a sudden you have an enemy of your soul, right? Who is now fighting against you and not fighting with you against, against God. So, okay. All right. Let me try to get to where we at. So here's what we said, avoiding deception and trials. Number one, when you go through trials, you are usually vulnerable to deception. You know, when, when fatigue walks in, faith walks out, when things are not going our way is when we start, we'll, we'll start believing the lies of the enemy. Just by show of hands, I'm just wondering, let me just do this survey. How many in this room could raise their hand and say, uh, I've probably been through a tough time once in my life. Okay, so most of us. Okay, good. So those of you who have not been through a tough time, please don't tell us because we will probably not like you. But honestly, the longer you live, the tougher sometimes life gets. 
I never thought I would see, I mean, I did not say never. I thought I would see the day. I just didn't think it would come so soon where we actually had to bury one of our parents. That was very tough to walk through, right? Life is tough. Now, it wasn't tragic. He wasn't young. Like we knew that was going to happen. He had a very bad diagnosis. Okay. So we knew all of this and still life was tough. That was tough. You know, I knew it would come. I just never didn't want it to. So there's been things in life and I'm just, that's just bringing up one thing because that was recent, but there's been things in our life. If we went around the room, everybody could say plenty of things, but definitely one thing that life has been tough. When life gets tough like that, we have to really be on guard against deception because the enemy will come in at any little thing. And once there's doubt one second about who God is, don't you know, he's going to come in like a flood and start Fill in your mind with everything possible that you know God not to be. And so we have to be on guard. James warns us right here. Matter of fact, he says that. I'm going to get to that in a minute. It says, do not be deceived. Um, so number one, when you go through trials, you're especially vulnerable to deception. He says it. Do not be deceived. It literally means, and that's in verse uh, 16, James 1. It literally means stop being deceived. You have to, you have, to have the offense against that. Right? You have to be on guard against that. Or maybe that's a defense. I don't understand sports. Okay. Apparently, some of James' readers were having trouble with this for James to say it so bluntly. Whenever the Bible says, do not be deceived. This is all review from last week. Do not be deceived. We need to perk up and pay attention. I don't think I gave this illustration last week, but I will this week. Maybe I did. Okay. This is an area where the enemy easily could fake us out. So he's saying we need to pay attention. So this, this illustration I thought was good. I love New York city. As most of you know, I love going to New York city. Um, but there's something about New York city. If you ever go to New York city, you should know this. If you, anybody ever been to New York city? Okay. You would know this and you should know this. If you go, um, they they're in New York city. There's lots of tourists, lots, lots, lots. And listen, we all, you can tell who the tourists are. Even when we try to act like we're not tourists, you know who the tourists are. I mean, they're the ones with the big cameras around their neck, you know, and looking up, you know, like this. So the con artists are really smart about trying to pick your pocket. So if you go to New York city, you need to know, you need to, if you're a guy, you want to have your pocket in the front, your, your, your wallet in the front pocket. As a lady, when I go to New York City, I wear a, um, a little uh, purse. I don't know what they call it. Yeah, like a cross purse. And I wear it on the inside of my jacket. So it's not visible. And so and when I open it, I open it from my jacket and reach in and get my... I never take it out, okay? Because it's just stuff I know about New York City. I, and I know I have spiritual kids who live there who just warned us about that kind of stuff, right? So if you're going to a place like New York, where there is, this is big crime. This is big. This happens a lot. Okay. So you know that. So you're prepared, right? James is saying, Hey guys, in life, when you go through tough times, you're going to be very vulnerable to deception. So I'm telling you, when you go through tough times, don't be deceived. Just like if I'm telling you, Hey, if you go into New York, you probably want to put that, that wallet in your front pocket. You probably want to care. It's a, it's a body purse or something. They call it where you have it on your body. And so you want to, okay, James is saying, when you go through tough times, you don't want to be deceived. So that's, that's exactly the illustration. Did I use that last week? No, I love New York. Surprised I didn't use that. Okay. Number two, to avoid deception and trials, affirm God's goodness. That's kind of where we got last week. Cause that was verse 17 that says this, it says, uh, every good and perfect gift 
is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights, who does not change like the shifting shadows. So, James uh, 1 and 17 says, says, affirms for people going through trials that every good gift is from above. When Satan originally tempted and deceived Eve in the garden, that's in Genesis 1, no, not 1, but it's in Genesis, he did it by getting her to doubt God's goodness. Remember, if you remember the story, he tells Eve, you know, did God tell you not to eat that? Well, it's because he doesn't want you to be like him. So she starts doubting what God said was true and who he really was because, oh, I could be like God. And so that's, that is from the very beginning of time, one of Satan's biggest deceptive schemes. Let me have you start doubting God's goodness. And how many know it's really easy to doubt God's goodness when things aren't good? That's, it's really easy when things aren't good, then God is not good. It's really easy to shout it from the rooftops how good God is when you've got a lot of money in the bank and everybody's well and, and people are, jobs are working. And it's really, it's really tough to remember who God is when you're going through tough times. Again, the nature of where we live in a fallen world, we are going to have tough times. Guys, it's, it's the nature of where we live. We just have to know that through those times, we have to be steady. We have to be a steady. Not, and not listen. Why? For, for number one, for you, number two, to not be deceived by Satan. But number three, we, there are people who are watching you. If you have kids, there are kids, there are grandkids who are watching you go through things in life and they're watching how you handle that. And they're learning. You know, people learn patterns based off of us, based off of each other. We learn that. I was telling the story today, Mario, we're being silly at the house, but I was telling him how I don't like lizards. By the way, I do not like lizards for anybody they're interested. And I don't think it's funny. Even if you want to try to scare me, it will not be funny. Zach, you will be fired. Just saying FYI. Okay. So, um, but I, I have no problem with snakes, no problem with spiders, no problem with roaches. No pro- and so we were laughing about that, how everybody has their thing. Cause Tracy was saying hers were spiders. And I was like, well, I'll kill you spiders every day. If I have a lizard, I'm getting a hotel, but it's a lizard in my house. I'm getting a hotel. Right. And she was like, what, what is the big deal about that? And me and Sarah talk about it all the time. Cause Sarah has her thing too, which I'm not gonna tell you what it is, but we talk about it all the time. And I remember there's a, there's a, one of my earliest memories is my mama was deathly scared of lizards. And one of my earliest memories was somebody playing a joke, threw a lizard on her, and she freaked out, passed out. I thought she was dead. I must have been four. I thought she was dead. I'm crying, screaming like a, you know, like a four-year-old would. And, uh, of course, nothing's wrong with her. But guess what? In my mind, lizards equal death. They jumped on you, you would die. Right? Okay, that is a really funny silly story. I am serious about that though, (laughs) but it's a funny story, except think about how ashamed it is when our kids see us going through crisis and we're freaking out and we say crazy stuff like, I don't even know who God is. Where is God? I thought God was faithful. Imagine what our kids or our grandkids think then. See what we don't, what a silly story like the lizard story is a little funny story. But it's really serious what I'm teaching my boys that even during tough times, God is not good. I got to teach them. People are watching. Other people, we need to, first of all, do it for ourselves. But other people, we have a legacy to leave to our children, our grandchildren, right? Okay. Pastor Mel, I'm I'm getting there. Okay. (laughs) We're still reviewing from last week. Okay. Do you remember how it said, too, that uh, it says this in verse 17? I thought this was good enough to review for those who weren't here. 
in a few words, just good to, re- to remember. It says, every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of heavenly lights, who does not change like the shifting shadows. Remember that really good statement we, we talked about? Um, that j- this is the first time, or the only time in the Bible, where God is called the Father of lights, where, with whom there is no variation or shifting shadow. James says that the Father of lights, he's comparing it to the sun. Like the sun, God does not vary in his essential nature, which is light. He is steady light. He is always good. But on earth, we do not always experience a steady light of the sun. It varies on cloudy days at night with the change in temperatures. Remember I said that? I thought that was really good. And actually, I was kind of, because Pastor Mo wasn't here last Wednesday. So when I got home, he got the, he got the teaching all over again. That's what happened. So he's like, how'd your class go? So he got the 30-minute teaching all over again. But when I got to this part of the teaching to him, he said, well, you know, that's true because on a very cloudy day, if you're in an airplane, there comes a point where you break through the clouds and the sun shine it again. So when James is making this, this comparison about God does not change, he's like the sun where there's no shifting shadows in him. The sun's always shining. Just because we don't see it don't mean it's not shining. God is like that. Just because we can't see what he's doing don't mean he ain't good. Just because life is not good don't mean God's not good. So God does, he's not like a shifting of shadow. He is always there as steady as we will know. That's, I told y'all last week, is that sun will come out. It was 90 something degrees today. We know even when it's cloudy, the sun is still shining. We pray and it don't come out, but it's there, right? God is steady like that. He's good. He's faithful. He's steadfast. No matter what's happening, no matter how many storm clouds are out there, no matter if it's winter and we haven't seen the sun in, in days, no matter, God is still that steady. I love that comparison that James made. We can trust him at all times in every difficult circumstance. So then we talked about there are two practical applications. One, understanding God's attributes as revealed in his word. That's essential for our spiritual well-being. You must know God, not as you may conceive him to be or as you wish him to be, but as he has revealed himself in the Bible. When that movie came out, um, The Shack, it had so many mixed reviews, and I'm really not interested in, in what anybody's opinion on it. But here's what I want, the point I want to make. The point I want to make is that movie, that book, portrayed God as somebody we, didn't, we wouldn't normally picture God to be. Whether that movie was right or wrong, I'm not about to do that. I, but I will tell you, it opened my eyes to one thing. That God, there's so many facets of God that it would be crazy for us to put him in one, one box. This is God, and, and if it doesn't look or act like this, it's not God. God, I promise you, will be whoever, however, whenever you need him to be because he's God. And when we know his attributes, when we really understand that God is good, he's kind, he's merciful. How many thank God that he's merciful? He's full of grace. He's patient. Hallelujah that he's patient. God is good. I've been saying that all week. Like, God is good, period. That's it. He's just good. He's good. He's good on the bad days. He's good on the good days. He's good on the rain with the rain. He's good with the sun. God is good. He's good when I'm about to melt out there and I want my snow back. He's good. He's a good God. And we have to keep saying that. So we have to know his attributes. Whatever he needs us to be, I promise he loves you enough to be who and how you need him to be for you. And so we can't put God in a box. We have to know who his attributes, know who he is, and know that, listen, all of this word, all of this Bible is God, but not all of God is in this word. I mean, thank the Lord. Can you imagine if all of God was just this is it? 
there's, he's so much bigger than this. So we have to know that when we read the word of God, this whole thing is God, but the whole God is not right here, right? He will be what he needs us to be. Know his attributes. You get to know him personally for you, who he is to you. Um, I, I will say, let me go back to the shack. I will say, I thought it was an interesting parallel between uh, God, the father, God, the son, God, the Holy spirit, because you know, in the book, which was of course not at all based on anything spiritual. So let me just say that, um, God, God, the father was actually a woman until the end. Then he was a guy, but he was a woman. Um, God, the, uh, Jesus was actually the, like, a um, he was a, a guy, but he was like a brother. The Holy spirit of course was, uh, like a fairy. So it wasn't spiritual at all. But when I read the book, I read the book way before the movie came out. I understood this. I understood that in my relationship with God, I had a better relationship with Jesus than I did even with the Holy Spirit or with God. And I remembered it opened my eyes to something that they're, they're three in one, but they, they are three distinctly different um, spirits. And they have different characteristics they play in our life. And I remember thinking, I want that relationship with the Father. Like I had a really good relationship with Jesus and it's another whole teaching, but it kind of parallels in how you were raised and how you saw your mom, your dad. So it kind of parallels that it's really neat, but listen, God wants to be what he needs you to be. He'll be what you need him to be. He'll be the comforter. He'll be the peace speaker into your life. I mean, sometimes we just last night, I, something came up last night and all of a sudden I, I, this anxiety hit me. I don't have anxiety, but it hits me like anxiety when the Holy spirit wants me to pray. And so it hit me and I was like, Lord, I started praying. And I said, I just need you to be the peace right now. I don't know what's going on, but I need peace and I need you Lord to take care of whatever's taking care. I'm going to do my part, but he can be the peace for you when he needs peace. You know, when you need him to be peace, he can be the friend when you feel like you have no friend, he can be the spouse when you're feeling lonely, like God can be all of that. So he's James is saying every good gift comes from above. Okay. So the second part, which is what I didn't get to last week is this. Well, it says this, two things you need to understand about God's attributes. First, read the Bible over and over asking as you read, what does this teach me about God? Second, read some good books on the attributes of God. Remember I told you that I was reading, I was listening to the book on Bible. It's a good thing to do, guys. Listen to the book on, on, listen to the book, listen to the Bible. However, I do it on my phone, but there's also, you can get tapes or whatever. But man, when you start listening, that's just another sense you're using. One of your, instead of read, sometimes I'll read too while I'm listening. Sometimes I'll just listen. Sometimes I'll just read. But when you do that, I, like God is becoming alive to me in that. So I just want to encourage you like to do that too. I'll, sh- I'll share my secrets. Okay. Number two. So it's the second thing. Interpreting your circumstances in light of God's attributes is essential for your spiritual well-being. You must know God. But when trials hit, when hard times come, you have to process what you know in light of your difficult situation. We do that by faith. You have to rehearse it yourself for what you know to be true, maybe a hundred times. Guys, this is, okay, so first of all, we have to know who God is. Second, when times come that are tough, we have to now filter the tough times through who we know God to be. So the best, and I think I gave this as an example. Yes, good. So the best one I can give you, the best example is in Psalms with David. Matter of fact, part of my my listening to the Bible, I'm in the book of Psalms. And, you know, David was running from his life from Saul. Like there was times where David did not, David was anointed the king of Israel and honestly did not know if he would ever see the throne. Because there were times really he thought he was going to die. Probably should have. 
And so I'm listen, as I'm listening to it, it's becoming alive in my imagination. And I'm like, I'm there. Man, I just got through listening to the part about Jonathan and David's covenant. And I'm like, I need a Jonathan in my life. Like, I need a friend that's a covenant friend. Like, that will go to bat for me, even when it's against the very own, your very own family. Like, I need somebody like that in my life, a covenant person. But as I'm, as I'm listening, I'm like, man, David, is a, he really thought he was going to die more than once. But God said he was going to be king, right? But sometimes, even when God says something, it never looks like that. Sometimes it won't ever look like that. But you got to know that God is who he says he is, and he'll do what he says he can do. So in Psalms 42, I'm definitely not going to read it all. In Psalms 43, David is like, I mean, almost a little bit, you could, almost like a different personality here. Because he starts out by saying, you know, as a deer pants for water, the streams of water, God, I pant for you. My soul thirsts for you. My tears have been my food day and night. While men say to me all day long, where is your God? So these are David's mighty men who, as he's running for his life, was saying, David, where is your God? Like, is he going to protect you? Like, you're about to die. We're all about to die. He says, then David says this, these things I remember. See, you got to have a memory. You got to get into that word and know that God is true. You need a, you really need to start journaling and writing down the times God's come through for you so that sometimes you can look back on that and said, oh yeah, he did bring me to that situation. I forgot all about that. He did, see, the devil wants us to forget about that. But God's like, listen, I've been there for you. I've been faithful for you time and time again. And look, if you have kids or grandkids, tell them, remind them. I remind my kids all the time. I, I tell Hayden all the time. Do you remember when Satan tried to take you out? He's like, no. Okay. You were three. You don't remember. Let me tell you again. He wanted to take you out. Like you almost died, son. And God not only saved you, but healed you. Of, of a, something that you should never be healed from. It should still be on your chart. It's not. Let me remind you how good God's been to you. That ain't the first time that he's done that for you, son. Let me tell you about another time Satan tried to take you out and God was there for you. Look, because sometimes we got to remind ourselves of what we forgot, that God has been good. He's been merciful. He's been graceful to us. So David says this, but then I love David here because in verse 5 in chapter 42, he says, Why are you downcast, O my soul? Why are you just so disturbed within me? And I was thinking about that. I was thinking many, many, many times my soul has been disturbed. Because I know I'm not the only one, but how many has been in a situation where everything in you knows that God is good and knows that you're going to get through this and you're going to rejoice, but there's something inside your soul that you're fighting day and night like, but I just don't know. I just don't know. It's a turmoil within. And David understood that. He was like, why are you downcast, oh my soul? I remember, I long for you, Lord, like the deer pants for water. I want you. And I remember how you've been here for me. Even when people are saying, where is your God? How could a loving God do this? David's like, I know where you've been, but why are you downcast, oh my soul? And man, many a times I can see myself in this situation when trials get tough. This is what we're talking about. Number two here, that we have to know who God's attributes are in. Like we have to, we have to filter that through our circumstance. So the psalmist is good. He he says it good right here. He says, um, let me see this. By the end of the Psalms, the circumstance haven't changed, but David's attitude and emotions have changed drastically. When you're in the middle of your emotions in a major trial, you have to do this by faith in God's word, not your feelings. Man, I'm just going to camp out here toward the end. When you're in the middle of a trial, man, you better not count on how you feel. As a matter of fact, when you're going through a tough time in life, and maybe you're going through a tough time just tonight, 
When you're going through a tough time, you better be very careful of these words. Don't be deceived. Let me tell you something right here. Well, I feel like, because as soon as that comes out your mouth, there, there you go. You better take that captive and you better say, wait a minute, because my feelings, although real, are oftentimes not true. Now, I'm very guilty of that. I preach this. I'm very guilty of that. And I'll say, I'll say, Mo, I need you to listen to me. Now, listen, this is how I feel. But before you say it, I know I'm going to get it out because I got to deal with it. This is how I feel. And then, then he, wants to, he wants to be the counselor, but I'm like, just let me. <laughs> so then I'll say, but I know my God is good. I don't know how, like in, from where I sit, I can't see how he's going to turn this around. But that's why he seats me, Ephesians says, in heavenly places. So when I take myself out of my situation and look down, and think of it in a spiritual sense, when I look down, because I'm seated with him, and I look down and I say, well, you know what? He did bring me through this tough time in 1991. Oh, yeah, I do remember that. I remember how tough that was. He brought us to, oh, and again in 1999, yeah, I remember that. I remember that situation. That was tough. I remember when I was in a hospital with my baby and I thought he was going to die and the doctor said, there's nothing else we can do. I remember in that hospital room calling on God and that baby came right back and they had called for Hayden. I'm just sorry. They called a, a, a helicopter and they're about to airlift him to, to New Orleans and God turned it around like that. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. God is good. Oh yeah. Okay, so now in light of what I'm going through, Oh, yeah, my God is good. I have to remind myself because if I start letting my feelings dictate what's real, well, I'll just tell you, there's a lot of people walking around like that. They're a hot mess. Because feelings, although real, are often untrue. And this is where I want to end. When you're in the middle of your emotions in a major trial, you have to do this by faith in God's word, not by your feelings. Your feelings will be all over the chart, but your faith must rest on the facts about God as declared in his word. God is good. And after that, I'm going to put an exclamation point, not a period, because God is good. No matter how I feel, no matter what I'm going through, he's a good God. And if we can get where we're steadfast, if we can get where I was, I was reading, maybe it was an honor of devotions, but it was talking about some trees. Was that this week where some trees don't, they don't have to go down real deep to get the water system. And, but they can kind of, when the winds come, they can kind of be flowing back and forth. And there's some trees, trees that are planted in the desert that have to go down deep to find water to live. And those trees cannot be moved. I mean, they are like steadfast. You know, sometimes when we go through trials, it causes us to go down deep and start looking for that living water and start looking for the truths of God's word. Cause those tough times, are going to what's, that's what's going to make you. Now we can allow it to break us, but it's only because we didn't stand on the truth of God's word. That's what's going to make us. So once we get down there and we start looking back over our life and seeing thus far, God has been with me. He was with me here. He was with me here. He was with me here. Oh yeah. Just last week he was with me there. I remember those things right there have my root system down deep. And look, if you have kids and they are still young, they don't really have a root system yet. Let them borrow yours. You start giving them yours. So they have that as their inheritance, as their legacy. And you start letting them know that God is good. Even when life is not, God is good. We're blessed people. It's good you learned something. We got through chapter, verse 17. So good. Hey, guys, I love the book of James. Remember this. I'm going to let Pastor come up here. Remember this. When you're going through tough times in life, and they will come. It's just not a matter of if, it's just when. 
because life sometimes can be tough. Just know who God is. Know his attributes. And at the end of the day, remember, God is not the one who changes. It's us. He's good.